So you can really drink Barol every single moment and still be surprised and amused by it. And But I will add that a big component to me, it's also the person, like the drinker personality and the mood he's in, the situation that he's leaving. Because you can have the most awesome bottle of wine on your own and maybe not enjoy it as much as the average wine that you taste in a while well, you're having a great time with your most dear friends. Yeah. And this is why I love Nantucket, because all of the people that are here, even if they're not your strictest friends, will become your friends for that moment because you just share this great passion that make you feel all on the same level, on the same page. Hello, this is Camille Broderick, the host of Camille's Demi Hour, a show always educating on wine, healthy and delicious food, and the talented people of Nantucket. We will hear from those who create so many of these wonderful delights and experiences on island, from the chefs behind the line to the sommeliers on the floor and the gourmet artisans in between. Welcome to Camille's Demi Hour on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. So today we're going to talk with Valentina Abana. She is the sixth generation winemaker from Marchese de Barolo, one of the most historical wineries in Barolo. Not only do the wines reflect the epitome of flavor and profile and terroir of Barolo and Piedmont, but this winery and this family represent a unique historical link to the history of Barolo and the region itself. So we will hear more about what that is. And I'm personally excited because Barolo is one of my favorite regions. I had just visited Barolo last year for the first time. It is such a unique region, the way it is geographically laid out and the landscape that you can see when you go there exactly why these wines are so spectacular. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. This is Camille Broderick with Camille's Demi Hour on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. And as I mentioned earlier, we have an incredible young female sixth generation winemaker in the studio today. I feel very lucky. I hopefully I've made a new friend. She's absolutely fantastic. And her name is Valentina Abona. She is part of the Marchese de Barolo Winery. Welcome, Valentina. Thank you very much. I'm thrilled to be here. (laughs) So the Marchese de Barolo winery, uh, I mentioned that it's a very historic winery uh, in Barolo, which there are many of. But can you explain what makes your winery uh, a little bit different? Well, it's the very first place where Barolo was born with the intention of being a dry and important wine. It was named Barolo after having made the wine right in the village. And it was a a beautiful, incredibly intelligent and passionate woman that thought about this. She was originally from France and she arrived in Italy to marry her husband, the Marquis of Barolo. And she was used to enjoy beautiful wines while she was in, in France. So eventually when she arrived in Italy, she was a little disappointed about the sweet and sparkling wine that they used to make with the grapes in Barolo. She revolutioned all of our lives. So basically she had a cellar built, the very first cellar built with the purpose of making a different wine. Barrels assembled for the first time for having fermentation be completed. And together with the other experts in the area, they come up with this wine that they named after the village of Barolo. So Barolo was literally born in the cellar where we still make wine today. Unfortunately, this lady had no children. 
together with her husband. So they left the winery to a charity organization that she founded herself in 1864 before her death and is still working today, this charity organization, with the same rules that she settled in the late 1800s, which I find to be pretty amazing and still an inspiration for all of us today. Uh, the charity organization was called Opera Piabarolo, and that's the um, organization from whom my family bought the state in 1929. My family, Abona, used to have a little winery just down the road in the village of Barolo, very tiny. It was since two generations, it started at the end, uh, middle end of the 1800s. And in 1929, they were able to put together all of their efforts and their money to buy uh, Marchese di Barolo uh, vineyards and and facility from this charity organization that eventually had to sell it because Italian law didn't allow them anymore to have a profitable business. So they had to sell all the transformation facility, all of the um, uh, the facility where they had to, where they processed the grapes. Mm-hmm. So that's when Marchese di Barolo estate was Up able to be sold. Right. Yes. Well, that's just incredible that you can actually pinpoint when wine changed styles in Barolo by this one woman. And so your family decided to keep the name as a homage to her. How did, uh, was that a fight to keep that name on the bottle? It was actually a proud for us to still maintain the name. So my family, when they bought the state, they asked for maintaining the name in order to remember the history and to remember what the Marchesi, because of course the the lady uh, had a great intuition, but she was always held by her husband. But it was a point that my family really wanted to uh, maintain the name in order to remember this great history. It's not easy, not even today, because sometimes it's misleading to have the name Barolo on the label. But we are fighting every day on with this in order to be able to remember all of what happened and to be able to send this message of passion and love for our area that already the Marquesa had when she arrived. I had the fortunate opportunity to travel there last year. And uh, you can see the Marquesa de Barolo right in the center of town. It has the winery is very prominent and it feels as though it is the center of, of Barolo in some ways. Talk about what it's like to be in that community in Barolo. What does it feel like to, to be born and raised and be a part of that community? Well, now it's very exciting. When I was little, it was perhaps a little overwhelming. It can be claustrophobic. Barolo is very, very tiny. We have 600 people that live in Barolo. And basically, every family works with wine. So growing up there, you don't realize how special all of this is. You you maybe give it a little for granted. It's ordinary. Well, by getting away and discovering the world and all of what people do outside of Barolo makes Barolo be very extraordinary. So explain your experiences. When did that moment happen when you reflected back on realizing how unique Barolo is? When I was in 18, I couldn't wait to live different experiences. So I basically took off for Milan, which is not that far away. But from there, I then was able to travel all around. I lived a little bit in uh, United States. I lived in England for a while. I lived in India for a month. And I ended up staying in China for one year. And that is where I really realized how much I missed Barolo, how much I missed wine, how much I missed the vineyard and the perfume of the fermentation, which is something that for me, it was like 
everyday uh, sense at home by getting away and, and smelling also the different towns, you realize that that is pretty unique and that is something that will stick with you forever. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, so let's talk about geography of Barolo. When I learn about wine and when I try to teach people about wine, it's hard to explain terroir and it's hard to explain why the sun exposure is this way and how uh, the lower temperatures and the fog, all of these factors can affect the grapes and the vines. Barolo is this beautiful valley. Can you try to uh, paint a picture for the audience of what Barolo looks like, functions? I think that you used a very fascinating word because terroir is not just the soil. It's really a concept that is made of different of different elements that make each terroir be very unique and very specific for the different grapes. It's a, it's a combination of the soil type, of the microclimate, uh, of the exposure, of the winds, the altitude. Barolo uh, is in an area called Lange. Lange literally means strips of land. We are talking about northwest Italy. We're in Piedmont. We are protected by the mountains. So it's a very beautiful place for grape to grow because we never have too much wind or too much impact, cold impact coming uh, through the weather because it's already stopped by the Alps. And Lange, strips of land, because when the hills rise from the sea a million of years ago, so each one of the hills that are very close one to the other, but each one of them, it's different from another one, from the other one. It's like all brothers in the same family. They have the same parents, but they still have very different personalities. So according to which vineyard you're looking at, which person you're talking to in a family, you can have different experiences. So the grapes that grow in one or the other vineyard can have different personality too. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the points that makes Lange special. And when it comes to Barolo specifically, the, the village of Barolo where we are, it's it's in a little valley. It's like in a little bowl within within these uh, other higher vineyards. So it's even more protected. So I find the town of Barolo because of the specific location that has to be even more elegant in terms of perfumes and notes that it can deliver to the wine because it's in this little uh, shorter valley compared to the other villages. Barolo area is made of 11 towns, being Barolo the center and being just one of them. So each one of these towns is unique and Barolo specifically has this uh, privilege of being a little lower. A little lower. And why don't we talk about the grapes in Barolo and what you grow? It's famous for Nebbiolo, but there's also whites and reds. So what else are within your family's winemaking? We've identified the very local grape varietals from the area. We have some Arnese, specifically in the Roero area, which is just above the Lange, above Barolo, is more north. We grow Dolcetto, we grow Barbera, which are our everyday mm -hmm. grape varietals, everyday wines, and the ones that uh, we probably uh, care for more because that is what really we're used to enjoy since we are kids teenagers maybe I should say until um, you know for all of our lives so that's really part of our day and in Nebbiolo you mentioned is the most elegant grape that that we grow in the area the one that also give us the most satisfaction because wherever you grow it because of the different personality of each one of the specific places where you can grow grapes it really has different expressions so usually Nebbiolo the name uh, Nebbiolo of the grape is not that highlighted on the bottle because what is more important is exact 
place where the grape grows. You have Nebbiolo from Barolo. That's where you make Barolo wine. You have Nebbiolo from Roero, and that would be Roero wine. So all different places that really give birth to different expressions of wine, even though the grape is the same. I just love this region. So it's beautiful to hear you talk about these wines in this way. But why don't you discuss Dolcetto versus Barbera versus Nebbiolo for people who don't know the differences with those grapes? Dolcetto, it's a very fruity grape. Dolcetto actually means little sweet one in Italian, but it's a tricky name because when you taste the wine, it's not a sweet wine. It's just very sweet on the nose. It has this memory, this, this scent of a very juicy and bright cherry that really jumps out of the glass. So that is, I would consider that also a summertime red wine because you can chill it down. The structure is not as rich as other wines, so you can enjoy it in every single moment. Barbera um, has a very high acidity. It's that wine that you want to pair with anything when it comes to food because it really matches a lot of different flavors because of this great acidity and that little spice that it has because of the aging in wood because uh, we all age Barbera, um, generally speaking, in wood. Again, Dolcetto, Barbera are the general name of the grapes. Then, of course, Nebbiolo is the most eclectic one mm-hmm. in, in this sense. So Nebbiolo is the grape that really expresses itself uniquely because it grows in one place versus another one. Nebbiolo is considered to be the king of the grapes. It gets its name from Nebbia, which is fog in Italian because we start picking it in October when we start having fogs in the morning then the day will clear up beautifully but as soon as we wake up in the morning we're always surrounded by fog and especially Barolo which is a little lower you always think that it's an horrible day and then you have the greatest satisfaction because the the fog will will go up but Nebbiolo has mm, a very strong personality it's tannic it's rich yet very elegant and usually uh, you want to dedicate to Nebbiolo the best vineyards uh, in order to make the most elegant wine possibly. But what my parents did, and which I find quite fascinating, and I really admired them when they got married, it, it was a while ago now, they decided together to take away some of the precious Nebbiolo that they had right in the village of Barolo, actually it's a vineyard in front of our home, to replace it with some Barbera that in the very past was originally there. Because even if Barbera, as well as Dolcetto, are more of everyday wines, if grown in special places such as Barolo Village, they can really give you some some beautiful satisfactions that you would never expected, uh, that are beautiful expression of more important and rich uh, dolcettos in Barbera just because of what they get from the great soil and the microclimate of the village of Barolo. We are speaking with Valentina Abona. She is the sixth generation winemaker from Marchese de Barolo, and she is on island and we're lucky to have her in the studio. And she's speaking about the different varietals that are in the Barolo region of Piedmont in northwestern Italy. We were speaking about Nebbiolo specifically. And is Nebbiolo grown anywhere else to this capacity? I feel it's really about that region growing these wines like nowhere else in the world. Nowadays, you find other expressions of Nebbiolo. I personally had some Nebbiolo from Mexico, which was quite salty because (laughs) they grow it in Baja California. So it was close to the sea and you have this very interesting salinity in it. Um, I'm aware of Nebbiolo grown in uh, Virginia, for example, but uh, the home 
for Nebbiolo has always been Italy and specifically Piemont. In south of Piemont, where I live, are probably the most known expressions of Nebbiolo, um, as Barolo and as Barbaresco. More in the north, Barolo, Nebbiolo is called in a different way. It's called Spanna. So there are different clones that are used but are still typical from Piemont. Um, the expressions of Nebbiolos from the north will be Gattinara, Gemme, Lissona, Bramaterra. These are all name of villages. So again, the name Nebbiolo, the name of the grape, gets overshadowed by the name of the specific village where you grow it because there would be different expressions there. So it's really about the places the place. where you grow it. And what do you think about Italian wines now? In the 70s and 80s, Nebbiolo and Barolos were really meant to age and they were made and vinified to sit a while and then to consume later. And now there's more of a trend for people to consume wines earlier and younger. So uh, how has that affected your winemaking? I have to tell you that uh, we have a private collection of old vintages that goes back to the 1800s. We're lucky enough to have them kept properly. So from the 30s, the 40s, the wine's actually drinkable. So we do have chances to go back and and taste how the wine was made and see the differences with what we do today. What I personally love is the consistency that I find from decade to decade. Even if you're extremely right, wines were made in a different way and they had different purposes. Nowadays, we have tools, we have uh, machines that will help us to, to make wines that show elegantly right at the beginning of their, of their aging. So uh, by taking away the, the stem from the grape while you're doing the fermentation to have machines that control temperature during the fermentation and machine that help you doing the pump overs and breaking the hat of um, of skin that is created in the moment when you're when fermentation is happening. All these processes help us to have wine that are made differently uh, in a in a practical way. They're more approachable at the beginning, so you don't necessarily have to age them for 10, 20 years before enjoying them. But if you do, uh, they will just change a little bit their personality growing old, just like a person. Mm -hmm. I love to make this analogy between wine and people because I really find that young wine, especially when we're talking about Nebbiolans, when you're talking about Barolo, they're like little kids that are uh, very loud and they're messing around and know a few words. And those few words, they will scream them because they're not able to put together a sentence. The more they grow, the more they get the experience to actually have a proper conversation with you. So they will have more to tell you. Um, it will be a more uh, back and forth conversation, the one that you can have with wines that are like middle aged. And when they really grow old, they become fragile, they become more delicate with so much knowledge that you need to really save some time in order to get to understand them. It's like when I'm talking to my grandfather, it takes him a while to tell me all of these stories, but then it's worth waiting every single word that, mm -hmm. that he's expressing. 
So um, you're relatively young and you have your whole life ahead of you when it comes to carrying on this legacy. Do you feel um, that that's a challenge? What is it like to be the next generation winemaker? I think that that was the biggest challenge. My parents both have very strong personality and they're very different one from the other. My dad takes care of all of what is production, administration. My mom is uh, on the sales side, so they really approach the business in a different way. But yet, they are together working very hard in order to send a message of passion for our land that was started uh, by the Marquise. So I always thought that there was not really a fit for me in in that couple that they are. And maybe that's why I took a step away from the winery. But when I realized what a what a great legacy it is and what a wonderful message was the one that my parents were sending to people I couldn't help myself by getting back home and and help them my mom um, that as I mentioned is on sale travels all over and I met her in Asia while I was living in China for a wine tour that that she did for the first time I really realized what Barolo was about meeting great people with a great passion for wine that are able to talk about a village that is so little all over the world and share the beauty of our area in every single place where you are. It must be powerful and really gratifying at the same time. And being on this island, it's another small community. And before our interview, you mentioned uh, the amazing food and wine culture here. I think the wine cannot be staying alone without food. The two things really complement one with the other and they help one the other to express their day best. So I couldn't wish for nothing better than being on Nantucket with people that have such a great uh, interest and passion and, and great taste for these two things to be able to talk about our wines and to be able to enjoy because you always have beautiful surprises when you're traveling. In Piedmont, we are kind of strict with our tradition and the combination with food that we will have over there is I don't want to say standard, but you have those options. The moment you travel is when you realize that sometimes wine can be beautiful with anything if you're just sharing them with the right people that are able to make you feel in love with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And before you go, you you mentioned your father and how he's a mentor to you. I think it's always important to talk about those who have taught us and brought us to where we are today. Do you want to say something to your father? He is my mentor. I've always been looking, and of course, I mean, he's first and only daughter. Uh, My brother is younger than me. So I've always been seeing my dad with, with with special eyes. But he's the one that was able to let me go without never really leaving my hand. And I think that what he did by still... Uh, talking to me about what happened at home, even when I didn't want to listen, is together with what my mom did when we were in in Asia traveling together is what made me realize what how beautiful and special this is and different from any other business in the world. And what do you think the future of Barolo is? What kind of wines do you think people are going to really start falling in love with again? I'm personally very happy for the short experience that I have being out there uh, to see how people are starting to appreciate more and more the concept of terroir that we were discussing earlier, uh, to find wines that are linked to a specific place, to a specific time as well, and that they express differently because they come from, from these different places. If 
you know, a while ago, maybe it was more about the passion for a specific hand in winemaking and a specific style. I think that people now are starting to appreciate more the different shades given by Mother Nature. Great. Well, Valentina, it's been lovely having you here. You're delightful. And thank you again very much for spending time with us and taking time out of your day. It was a real honor to have you here. It's my honor to be here. <laughs> we'll do it anytime. Thank as you. long as you invite me back to the island. <laughs> cheers Thanks to that. Lot. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers.